from Studio One at the worldwide headquarters of ESPN and from Studio HD in Atlanta, Georgia, this is Fitz and Harry on ESPN Radio, the ESPN app, and on Sirius XM Channel 80. It's draft day, and anytime there's draft day, no matter the sport, you know, you know that means total chaos is coming. Tonight with the NBA draft, that chaos has already started. Fitz and Harry on ESPN Radio, the ESPN app, Sirius XM, Channel 80. Harry Douglas, Jason Fitz. And uh, we just got this tweet. I will call this a Woj bomb because, you know, it's, it's Woj. Uh, but Adrian Wojnarowski letting us know the L.A. Lakers are acquiring the 40th pick from the Indiana Pacers for pick 47 and cash, sources tell ESPN's Adrian Wojnarowski. The Lakers now own 17 and 40 on the draft board tonight. So the Lakers putting themselves in a situation to make moves tonight should they want to with the 17th and 40th picks in tonight's draft. But Harry, while that's significant, that's not the biggest Woj bomb we've gotten over the last 24 hours. Of course, all eyes on the mega deal that happened yesterday, the three-team trade that has uh, resulted in shifts all over in the balance of power. We now know the Boston Celtics, Washington Wizards, and Memphis Grizzlies agreed to a three-team trade late last night while everybody was sleeping that sends Porzingis to the Celtics, Marcus Smart to the Grizzlies, Tyus Jones, somebody you and I have complimented a lot on this show, goes from Memphis to Washington in, in, in addition to some picks. So while we've been talking so much about what this means for the Celtics, let's not get it twisted because much of the league, according to Brian Windhorse, is actually talking about what this means for Memphis. Harry, I want you to check this out. Tell me what you think. Memphis paid a really big price for this. They, this is a move for Memphis to basically start to act more like a grown-up team. They went in and got an adult who is a, is a culture setter, and p- people never thought that they would trade Marcus Smart. So for Memphis to acquire a guy like Marcus Smart, first off, they're going to need a point guard for 25 games to be their lead ball handler, and Smart can play off the ball. In the league, people are reacting to Memphis making this mm. move for, for getting Marcus Smart. I think Wendy said it the best. You now have an adult in the room, in your locker room, to get things shifted in the right direction. A guy that has done it at a high level, who's been to an NBA championship, who's been to multiple conference finals, who was the sixth overall draft pick, so he understands and can relate to a lot of these players on this roster. On top of being a guy that can be a voice, but actually playing meaningful minutes on this basketball team, and those guys can be able to listen to. I love the move for Marcus Smart, also a guy um, that can knock down open jump shots from a three-point line, because with Fitz, you know I I, I say this early and often and a a, a ton of times, they need more guys to be able to knock down shots on the perimeter. I'm I'm hopeful that they can get one tonight in in the draft. Um, I believe they have the 25th pick, 25th or 26th pick, but Marcus Smart is not just a good basketball player, He's a guy that won defensive player of the year a year ago. A guy that, you know, plays with his heart, plays with passion, and can be a voice in that locker room so this team can get on the right page moving forward. Yeah, now they did have the 25th pick, to your point, but they own it. That now goes to Boston as part of this trade, so they lose that. But I will say this, Harry. He's Harry Douglas. I'm Jason Fitz. You mentioned earlier what this means for Boston. And one of the points that you made that I think is really important here is leadership, right? Like Boston now knows who's in charge because Marcus Martin has been taking some of that role. And and anytime you make change like this, somebody's going to step up and become that leader in the locker room. 
I would argue that Marcus Smart, for that very reason, has such value to Memphis. You mentioned the defensive player of the year. I think of effort, right? I think about the way that Marcus Smart plays the game. It's consistent. It's there, there's there's never a lull. There's never an up and down. He's a consistent basketball player that comes out and plays both sides of the floor, right? Like that's exactly the sort of person that we've been screaming Memphis needs to add because frankly, Memphis needs a couple of things. They need help on the court, but they also need a stabling presence. Somebody that will come in and say, this is the way we do business. This is the way I do business. This is the expectation. I don't know if Marcus Smart really wants to be that guy. I know he doesn't have a choice. That's what's going to be asked of him from the minute he walks in the room. And, you know, we talked about it yesterday when we were talking to, uh, about, you know, in general, the way the NBA develops leaders, right? And uh, the concept of having former players work with current players to teach them how to be the best versions of themselves. So Marcus Smart is going to be asked to be a little bit of both here. He's going to be asked to be an important part of what they do on the court. He's going to be asked to be an important part of what they do off the court. He's going to ask to be a, a stabilizing presence for the Grizzlies until Ja comes back from the suspension. But then also immediately, they're going to look at Marcus Mart and they're going to hand him the keys and say, hey, hopefully you're part of what can help get Ja on track. Like That's the extra thing that comes. Marcus Smart's going to a very good basketball team that gets in their own way. It's going to be his job to make them an even better basketball team and also his job to help them figure out how to stop stepping on themselves in the process of trying to get to greatness. I would also say he's everything that they hoped that Dylan Brooks could have been for this organization. Mm. Right? He's going to bring that defensive mind to things, so now he's going to be able to guard the best player, right? Uh, especially if it's a, it's a guard and a guy that you, you, you want him to put the clamps on. On top of being able to score points offensively, something Dylan Brooks struggled with a little bit, especially when it came playoff time, not understanding his role, and at times shooting the Memphis Grizzlies out of things. But you're also not going to get those nonsense antics, poking the bear at LeBron or whatnot. And then next thing you know, you're losing to the Los Angeles Lakers and LeBron James. Um, I won't say necessarily because you poked the bear, but damn, you woke him up a little bit more. So those things you don't have to worry about with Marcus Smart. And on top of when you look at the Memphis Grizzlies and you look at the toughness, Marcus Smart epitomizes toughness mentally and physically. I just think it's a great fit for this basketball team, especially where the Memphis Grizzlies are right now today. On top of, you probably didn't want a guy like Dylan Brooks playing the point guard position, but now you have a guy in Marcus Smart in which Udoka, when he was his coach in Boston two years ago, forced him to play that point guard role and get better in it as well. So now you have a guy that can anchor things while John Moran is out and try to hold a fort down. I, I keep thinking, he's Harry Douglas, I'm Jason Fitz. It's Fitz and Harry on ESPN Radio. I keep thinking about the sort of the power ranking concept, right? We talked earlier about the Celtics make a big addiction that they think makes them better in the East. Well, I, I don't think there's any question. that This is an improvement. As, as much as you and I both have been big on Tyus, this is an improvement for the, for the Grizzlies. The Grizzlies were the two seed last year. I mean, as much as we sit here and say, well, what are the Suns doing to catch the Nuggets? Uh, what is Sacramento going to do to catch the Nuggets? How are all of these teams? I mean, the, the Grizzlies last year uh, played well enough throughout the course of the year to put themselves in this conversation year in and year out. They've done it the last two years. They've been the two or three seed, right? Like yep. year in and year out, they're putting together the regular season it takes and they need somebody that can push them over the edge. Now, size was an issue for them in the playoffs, but injuries were part of the reason that size was an issue. I just keep thinking right now today, Memphis is better than they were 24 hours ago. And when you've been a very good basketball team, that's significant. I mean, that is 
a, a truly significant piece here to say, hey, we're getting better, we're getting tougher, and we're bringing in somebody that we think can help us stay the course better. That little nuance can be enough to push you over the top in a year where, I mean, the West is more packed than ever. Don't sleep on Memphis because of this addition in my mind. Well, I already thought Memphis was a, a good defensive team. I think they just gotten better. You have the defensive player of the year in Jaron Jackson Jr., and then the defensive player of the year from the previous year in Marcus Smart. That's really going to help you out. If you happen to go through those shooting laws that time and time in which they go through, if you got two guys on your roster, two guys on your team and your starting lineup that have been back-to-back defensive player of the year, that's going to help your team defensively be that much better, more so than you already were previously. And that all speaks to sort of assembly of the roster and what you're looking for, right? Like, we know that when Ja has been healthy, we know where the offense comes from. And Jared Jackson Jr. provides some of it, but we know that 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 can be Ja's focus. When you have two guys on the other side of the ball that uh, are on on, on the team that on the other side of the ball have been so dominant that can turn around and say, hey, defensive players of the year, like – it allows you to structure everything that you need to defensively to be able to try and put your best foot forward. I know size in the West is always going to be an issue when you're taking on Jokic. I don't think there's ever going to be an easy answer for that. But if you just make yourself better right there, not only with Jaron, obviously, but you make yourself better on perimeter defense as well, it just feels like this was a really smart move by the Grizzlies in the world of roster development. Fitz and Harry is presented by Progressive Insurance. Progressive protects your home, auto, boat, motorcycle, and RV. And, of course, could save you money. Who doesn't love that? Visit Progressive.com. It's an arms race in the Eastern Conference this offseason. We'll tell you who's leading that race next. Fitz and Harry on ESPN Radio and the ESPN app. With the seventh pick, the Denver Nuggets select Jamal Murray. With the 41st pick, the Denver Nuggets select Nikola Jokic. So, who's next? The 2023 NBA Draft. Tonight at 7 Eastern on ESPN Radio and on ESPN. You can also listen on the ESPN app and on Sirius XM Channel 80. Fitz and Harry, the podcast. I never thought I'd see Fitz teaching Harry a dance. Well, again, this is a reminder of why if I look at Harry and say, hey, man, you want to go to the curb after a game? He's going to say no. This is Fitz and Harry. The Boston Celtics made a huge move. And the Milwaukee Bucks were part of a huge transaction that now has us wondering what the Eastern Conference even looks like in the NBA right now. It's Fitz and Harry on ESPN Radio, the ESPN app, Sirius XM, Channel 80. Harry Douglas, Jason Fitz, also known as Guns and Buns. Uh, that's going to be the new nickname of this show, thanks to Alan Hahn, who joined us earlier. Uh, we're presented by Progressive Insurance. And, all right, Harry, with all of the changes we now know that we've seen over the course of this offseason in the Eastern Conference already, going into the draft, it's curious because the Boston Celtics just got rid of Marcus Smart, but in the process added Kristaps Porzingis. At the same time, the Milwaukee Bucks lose Chris Middleton uh, as he's decided not to uh, opt in on his player option. He could end up signing a long-term deal, but that means we get to rank some things. Let's figure out the Eastern Conference. We're going to go from 5-1, to one, all right? So we're going to just figure out the top 
five teams in the East as it stands right now. If we're just looking forward to what we think next year could look like, the way too early top five power rankings pre-draft in the NBA for the Eastern Conference. Harry, let's start like every good countdown. Devin apparently didn't know this earlier. Uh, every good countdown goes from uh, bottom to top, right? Like you never listen to the uh, you know Casey Kasem's top 40 and want to hear the number one song first. You got to start at the bottom. So we'll start with the last number. Number five. You got it five, Harry. Number five, I have the Cleveland Cavaliers. And listen, Knicks fans, I love y'all. My brother was drafted there in the first round of 2009. Madison Square Garden is unbelievable, but I'm sorry. I like the roster of the Cleveland Cavaliers with Donovan Mitchell, Darius Garland, Evan Mobley, and Jared Allen. I like those guys, and I think moving forward, they're going to be better more so than they were a year ago when they lost to the Knicks in the first round of the playoffs. Yeah, I mean, this is where we have to find a balance, right? You're 100% right. The Knicks beat them in the playoffs, but the Cavs were a better team throughout the course of the entire regular season, right? So if I'm looking at who's going to move forward and who I'm going to bank on moving forward, I'm actually with you. I also have Cleveland at number five. So, so far, our list today have a bunch of synergy. we got to try and start but guess wildly what, disagreeing. But guess we, what? What? If the Knicks were to hap- were happen to get you know a guy named Paul George, then I may change my mind. But that hasn't happened yet. Oh, we're no. talking about right now. If Fitz. the Knicks get Paul George, they they wildly catapult up here. Wildly yeah. catapult. All right. So who do you have at number four? Look at that, Devin. Synergy. All right. Who do you got? Number four, I have the Philadelphia 76ers. And part of the reason why I have them at number four is because they have struggled to get out of the second round for the last few years even having the MVP of the NBA. And then also, they don't have the consistent point guard play. That's something they're still searching for. I don't know what moves they're going to make coming up, but right now I have have them at number four. So this is where things get a little tricky for me because I also have questions about the 76ers. We have questions about James Harden. I think everything you raise is fair, and we have no idea what a new coach is going to mean for this organization. I do not have the Sixers at number four, though. I have the Miami Heat at number four. And as great and beautiful as this run was, this was still a play-in team that I believe in immensely moving forward. I still think the Heat are better than their record showed last year. I do believe that. But man, it's hard for me to look at this Heat roster as currently constructed without another star and believe that they are going to be better than Philadelphia over the course of an entire season. Philly was a disappointment to get eliminated where they were. I don't think they'll continue to disappoint at that level. So now we have disagreement. Look at us having disagreement. Let's go to the next number on the list. Number three. Who you got, HD? Uh, number three for me, I have the Miami Heat. Oh. For some odd and apparent reason, I just couldn't ignore that they knocked off the number one seed, not just in the Eastern Conference, but the entire playoffs. They also knocked off the number two seed, not just in the Eastern Conference, but the entire playoffs. Then they ended up playing the number three seed in the entire playoffs, who happens to be the number one seed in the entire playoffs. So uh, I, I got the heat at number three, man. This one is tough for me. I, I'm i going to go Philly at number three. Okay. So this is like it's just a little bit of a swap, but I'm telling you, right now, without Chris Middleton, the line between Philly and uh, Milwaukee is wildly blurred to me. Like, I really, I wondered if my mindset should actually put Milwaukee as the third best team. And say, you know what? I'm doing it. I'm doing it. I'm making the change. Now I'm making the change. I'm putting Philly at two and Milwaukee at three. I'm doing it because as much as I love Giannis, I have no idea who the hell else is going to be on that team right now. Might be Brooke Lopez. It might be. Could be. Could be. No Chris Middleton. Ah, I, don't, I don't feel great about making Giannis go to war against all these other guys without any help at all. So, uh, uh, yeah, I'm moving the Bucks all the way down to number three. Woo! Wow. 
Okay, yeah. so I have the Bucks at number two. Okay. Because of the guy you just mentioned, Giannis Antetokounmpo. I do also like Drew Holiday. I think they're going to make a massive effort to bring back uh, Brooke Lopez because he's a guy that can anchor the rim defensively but can extend out to the three-point line and force the bigs to come away from the rim because he can knock those down as well. So I have the Bucks at number two, and then obviously – at number one, I have the Boston Celtics, especially with the Porzingis trade and being able to get that third score to take some pressure off of Jason Tatum and also Jalen Brown. This is how much the list has changed. By the way, we're doing power rankings of the top five teams in the Eastern Conference as we see today moving forward. So we don't get to speculate necessarily on what's going to be there on Fitz and Harry. Harry Douglas, Jason Fitz. If you'd asked me to do this yesterday, I would have put the Milwaukee Bucks at number one and I would have put the Boston Celtics at number two. That's how much my list has changed in 24 hours with two moves. The loss of Middleton has the Bucks all the way down to three for me because I don't know what they're going to be able to do. I presume they're going to get Brooke Lopez done. I presume they're going to figure out something uh, to replace Middleton, but those are a lot of presumptions. We have no idea. But the there's Celtics, still an opportunity that Chris Middleton can go back to Milwaukee as well. Sure, sure, sure. But right now, the unknown, like yep. I'm just looking at it and saying, man, too much, uh, too rich for my blood. The Celtics, by adding Porzingis, I, I keep saying this, the biggest thing that they've done is they've given, in my mind, the opportunity for their offense to do multiple things. Well, oh, we love the word in the NFL all the time where it's like, I want to be multiple on offense and defense. I genuinely think the Celtics have given themselves a real chance to do this. They don't just have to live and die by one shot over and over and over again. Porzingis, I think, can be a substantial add for them. Yeah, there might be health issues with it, but okay, I, I'm going to weigh the health issues with Porzingis versus the fact that the Celtics have no idea what they're doing with Harden right now and how they're going to replace Harden. The, the Bucks have health issues with Middleton, who just opted out, and then we don't know what they're doing with Brooke Lopez. Like, I feel like everybody else has far bigger question marks moving forward than the Celtics do. The Celtics go from, uh, in my mind, they went from two to one, and the Bucks go from one to three, all in the last 24 hours of chaos. Well, uh, when you look at the Celtics, I think one of the things that's important here is that, and we've seen it multiple times versus the Miami Heat, them living and dying by the three-point shot. When you have a guy like Prozingis who could post up and play with his back to the basket and also stretch the floor and go out and hit the three, now you have more than one thing you can do offensively. Now you have that third guy that you can count on. Also, now you have a rim protector on the defensive end because he's so tall and long, uh, like Stretch Armstrong, 7'3". So that's why I like the Celtics' chances right now coming out of the East, and that's why I have them at number one. I think the most interesting part of this, frankly, is Milwaukee. Because the one thing I am 100% sure of is that Milwaukee's not done. They're just getting started, right? So what yeah. we know is that Milwaukee is going to turn around and either figure out how they're going to bring Middleton in. And they're going to figure out what they're going to do to make Giannis happy, obviously. I don't believe the Bucs. The, the Bucks have proven to us, frankly, year in and year out, they do not run in place. They're going to do whatever it takes to put the best foot forward to try and win a championship. Don't y'all angry, Giannis. I'm telling y'all right now. Don't y'all do it. Oh, yeah. You know me. Every year I put money on Giannis to win MVP. It's just easy money out there. Although I maybe should have started putting that on Jokic. It would have been better for my wallet. Okay. Just like the Eastern Conference, one NFL conference is an absolute arms race for the top spot. We'll ask an expert who owns that spot today next. Fitz and Harry on ESPN Radio and the ESPN app. Fitz and Harry, the podcast. You 
you add a run game to that offense in which Nathaniel Hackett, when he was with the Jacksonville Jaguars, the run game was a huge part of what they did. If you have a guy like a Dalvin Cook, you can also take more pressure off of Aaron Rodgers. The Denver Broncos, I think when you look at what Sean Payton wants to do, he wants to get back to early age Russell Wilson with the Seahawks. He wants to run the football. What did Russell Wilson have early Seattle? They ran the football. He got a lot of the credit, but it was about defense and Marshawn Lynch. Fitz and Harry on ESPN Radio, the ESPN app, Sirius XM, Channel 80. Harry Douglas, Jason Fitz, we're presented by Progressive Insurance. If you were watching ESPN this morning, which you should have been, you saw the great Harry Douglas, as always, just rocking out, repping himself in the show as he always does, tremendously on Get Up. You also saw that one of the people he was hanging out with was our buddy, friend of the show, Lewis Riddick, ESPN NFL analyst. Lewis, kind enough to join us right now. Lewis, appreciate your time. So we were just talking about the NBA and the chase that everybody has in each individual conference. As you well know, the AFC is wildly stacked, always is, and we keep talking about Kansas City. But what's interesting is the Jets are trying to, to, to chase down the Chiefs. Obviously. So if you were the Jets and you were looking at Cook or Hopkins, which one do you think would be more important to that team if they want to be able to catch a team like the Chiefs? Oh, look, I would probably say if you had to pick between those two, I would I would say it's, it's Hopkins because of his profile and what he brings to the table in terms of how he plays the game. Like I, building, building wide receiver rooms for me, it's like building a basketball team. So you need guys with varying skill sets that do different types of things. Uh, McCole Hardman doesn't do what Hop does. Alan Lazard doesn't do what Hop does. And Garrett is a different kind of player. Garrett's probably the guy, you know, obviously who's the most talented, that being Garrett Wilson, talented of their whole group. Um, and they still, you know, they have other great players. I mean, good players, and, and Corey Davis, Randall Cobb, he'll, he'll make the roster. Denzel, so I think that's the he'd be the one I'd be looking for. That guy who's a true X, who as, as um, Devontae Adams told me this past year, and Harry knows this if he played the position. But when it's just one on one, and you say, "Look, we got to make a play," I don't care if you're covered or not. I'm throwing the ball to you. You know, he's going to make the play probably seventy percent of the time, eighty percent of the time. Running backs to me are. I mean, I, I love Dalvin. I, don't get me wrong. But by all accounts, Brees looks is, is healthy. Michael Carter's still a good back. Israel Banacanda, who they drafted in the fifth round out of Pitt, is probably going to surprise everyone in the NFL. He'll be another one of those late-round picks who, who surprises. And Zonovan Knight is a good number two, number three back. So I don't think they need more backs. But Hop, he could really make it go for them on offense. So, Lewis... Running back Dalvin Cook is available um, in free agency. He's on the market. Who should be making a call to Dalvin Cook right now in your eyes? <laughs> yeah, man, we talked about this this morning. Dallas should be calling him. That's the team. Because, look, I, I, don't, I don't know if Tony Pollard ever was. Uh, look, Tony Pollard's fantastic. Don't get me, I love Tony Pollard. would want him on, on my team yesterday. Is he really the guy, though, who coming off of that lower leg injury you're going to want carrying the load? And even if he was 100% healthy, is he the guy who you want carrying the load anyway? Is he, even, is, he, is he that body type? Is he that makeup? No, not at 209, 208 pounds. No, he's not. Dalvin plus Pollard plus a guy like Deuce Vaughn who's probably going to make their roster. Now that's a, good, now that's a group right there considering what Mike McCarthy wants to do running the football. 
that you could sit there and go, okay, now we're really talking here as far as their their desire to try and dethrone Philadelphia. That's the team I'm I'm surprised we don't hear any chatter about. Here's what surprises me though, because I, I was watching you guys this morning and. Uh, Lewis Riddick is who's joining us right now. And, Lewis, you said something that Harry has said on this show for uh, two months, I feel like. The Dolphins aren't running the football. So we keep trying to put Dalvin Cook on the Dolphins, but the problem is Mike McDaniel isn't really committed to running the football enough. Uh, Which is uh, wild to me, isn't it? It's crazy. It's insane because in San Francisco, that was one of his MOs is the run game coordinator. Like that, That was his thing. Is that something yeah. that in Lewis and like when an organization's in the offseason, how much time are they spending right now looking at that whole rather than the player personnel portion of the play calling person portion of it? Yeah, you know what? I, I think that's something that you know, in offseason when they go through their self scouting process and Mike goes back and looks at all seventeen games, he has to be going, Damn, I, I needed to run the rock more here. Look at the chunks we're getting here. Look at how we ripped, absolutely ripped Buffalo. On the road, in the cold, up there, they had no answer for it. And this was one of the best. I mean, this is one of the best run-stopping defenses in the NFL, and has been for years. And we ripped them. But they don't call. And then on third and one, you're trying to throw the football. You're trying to throw the football to Tyrant. And like, I couldn't. I, I I didn't get it, man. I I didn't get. It. And I'm hoping. I'm hoping Mike goes back and says, "Hey, look." We are who we are, right? We've got nothing but juice here on the outside at wideout. And I get it. And we may be even better this year with some of the pieces that we've added on the perimeter. But, man, we have got to when it's third and one, second and three, third and two, we've got to run this football. Because the defense is in such conflict with our RPO game already, so as it is. They're so damn scared to death, so as it is. There are their creases, man. There are creases. And we've got... Look, if you shuttle in there between Raheem, Jeff Wilson, and now A Chain, we've got some dudes. And it, it isn't like we don't we have a bunch of scrubs here. We've got dudes that can run this thing. That's why I'm sitting there going, Well, if you if you signed out and you're philosophically you're still doing the same but like, so what? How how is he like some kind of force multiplier? How's he gonna change this? Yeah, he's a good back. There's no doubt. But but I'm just and, and I don't want to I don't want to go down the whole devaluing running backs rabbit hole because we understand like that you can get tremendous surplus value second round and down in backs. We we know this. We've seen it over and over and over and over and over and over again. So, but Dalvin Cook, I, I just don't think he's an X factor for a Miami like he would be for a Dallas. All right, so the, the AFC and the NFL is kind of like the Eastern Conference in the NBA, Lewis. So right now, mm-hmm. who is mm-hmm. the best team in the AFC, in your opinion, not named Kansas City? Oh, it's Cincy. It's Cincy. And, you know, you know, the weird thing is, like, when we have these discussions, I mean, I'm, I know, and, and I do it too, we're always looking for the, you know, trying to get out ahead of the curve, and what's the next thing that no one's talking about? Who's that team? Like, so... Some people may say, well, you're trying to outsmart yourself when you're always jumping on Miami. And I'm like, well, not really, because I've always liked Miami. So don't don't get it twisted. I, I've always liked them. Since he's that team that would kind of like, oh, yeah, that's right. Damn, we got, they got Joe Burrow. They got Jamar Chase. Like, they, they still, even though in the Patrick Mahomes era, he finally beat them for the first time in the AFC title game last year. For the first time. He was 0-3 going into, going into that game. 
And we still talk about them like, oh, yeah, you know, oh, yeah, Cincy's pretty good. No, they are the team, and they've gotten better because they got better on the offensive line. They added more weapons at wide receiver with Charlie Jones. They have more depth at running back this year when they draft Chase Brown out of Illinois. They've got more depth at pass rusher with the draft of Miles Murphy. They've got more depth at secondary. All the things that you need in order to take down Patrick and make things difficult for him with D.J. Turner and Jordan Battle, the two draft picks. And Joe Burrow knows that until he's able to beat Patrick, get to a Super Bowl, and win a Super Bowl, they're always going to be thought of like this. Like, yeah, since he's cool, but who else is out there? Is it Justin Herbert? Is Lamar going to have a year? Is Trevor Lawrence and Jacksonville going to rise up? Is it Tua? Is it Josh Allen? Since he still is searching for that respect, man, and they're the best squad. They're the best equipped to handle KC and AFC. It's always going to be alarming to me. We live in this era right now where we're so busy trying to figure out legacies for so many athletes. We're lucky as fans to get to watch Cincinnati, Buffalo, Kansas City. I mean, Miami oh, this for year. Sure, man. This is going to be a an insane year in the NFL. Lewis, mm-hmm. always appreciate your time, man. Enjoy. I hope you get a little time off for the Fourth of July. As always, thanks for hanging out with us. We appreciate your insight, brother. Of course, dude. See you. Lewis Riddick, ESPN NFL analyst. Dalvin Cook's the biggest star available. So should he put that giant star on his helmet? We'll figure it out next. Fitz and Harry on ESPN Radio and the ESPN app. Fitz and Harry, the podcast. You add a run game to that offense in which Nathaniel Hackett, when he was with the Jacksonville Jaguars, the run game was a huge part of what they did. If you have a guy like a Dalvin Cook, you can also take more pressure off of Aaron Rodgers. The Denver Broncos, I think when you look at what Sean Payton wants to do, he wants to get back to early age Russell Wilson with the Seahawks. He wants to run the football. What did Russell Wilson have early Seattle? They ran the football. He got a lot of the credit, but it was about defense and Marshawn Lynch. Dalvin Cook is still out there waiting to figure out where he wants to play football next year. And let's be clear, that's not a testament to anything about Dalvin Cook. That's a smart move by him right now to be patient, figure out where he wants to go, figure out where he can max his value out and put less wear and tear on his body in the meantime. The question is, for all the conversation about the AFC East and all the teams that could use Dalvin, are we looking in the wrong conference? It's Fitz and Harry on ESPN Radio, the ESPN app, Sirius XM, Channel 80, Harry Douglas, Jason Fitz. This is what Lewis Riddick said just minutes ago on this show about what team should be in the mix for Dalvin Cook. Dallas should be calling him. That's the team. Because, look, I, I, don't, I don't know if Tony Pollard ever was. Uh, look, Tony Pollard's fantastic. Don't get me, I love Tony Pollard. would want him on, on my team yesterday. Is he really the guy, though, who coming off of that leg, lower leg injury you're going to want carrying the load? And, and even if he was 100% healthy, is he the guy who you want carrying the load anyway? Is he, even, is, he, is he that body type? Is he that makeup? No, not at 209, 208 pounds. No, he's not. Dalvin plus Pollard plus a guy like Deuce Vaughn who's probably going to make their roster. Now, that's a group right there considering what Mike McCarthy wants to do running the football that you could sit there and go, okay, now we're really talking here as far as their their desire to try and dethrone Philadelphia. Yeah, I'll be honest with you, Fitz. I'm very surprised that the Dallas Cowboys haven't explored interest in Dalvin Cook up until this point because I feel like he's a type of running back that uh, 
they can surely use his services. Tony Pollard's coming off an injury in which his leg was hurt, right? I don't know if you want a guy that's coming off the injury that he's coming off of to be your bell cow back and you're relying on him every single play just about to be phenomenal for you and is taking that pounding uh, frequently. Now, they do have Ronald Jones. They signed Ronald Jones and Deuce Vaughn. I think Deuce Vaughn is a guy that he's, a, he's one of those chess pieces that you can bring in, send them on speed sweeps, line them up in the backfield, flex them out, have them come out the backfield, run some H choices on linebackers. Uh, on top of his father works in the scouting department, but Deuce Vaughn is a phenomenal player, and he plays way bigger than his size. But I think the Dallas Cowboys should have been explored the option of having Dalvin Cook on their roster, especially because Ezekiel Elliott is no longer there, but also have, have this thing being done by uh, running back by committee. That's part of what I think works for everybody in this process, right? Like the Cowboys have made their desire to run the football so abundantly clear. We all know that. It's been a huge part of how they plan to move forward. It makes sense for Dalvin Cook, not just because of what he can do running the ball, but also how they can use him outside, out of the backfield. And then the other part of it is if you are Dallas, I do think the competition around you has to matter a little bit in these things, right? You got to look around and say, okay, we know the Eagles are stacked. We also know the Eagles are stacked defensively. We know that defensive line is has a bunch of big bodies we presume are going to be able to play well yet again. We need to be prepared to ground and pound against this Eagles football team. Like At some point, if you're the Cowboys, you look around and say, hey, why not Dalvin Cook? Like That's the other part of it in my mind is as much as we want to sit here and make it dak, 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 all we ever want to talk about with the Cowboys is dak, 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 dak. Well, uh, frankly, who cares about Dak if you can make the running fo- the running game better? You make Dak better in the process. You give yourself more options, and you're taking on a, a division that has a juggernaut opponent in Fitz, it. Fitz, on top of you're taking pressure off of Dak Prescott. Now, let me say this. The Philadelphia Eagles were the second-best defense in football last year. The Washington Commanders were the third-best defense in football last year. And I'm not just going to sit up here and act like the New York Giants – don't have solid pieces on the defensive side of the ball as well. So you're talking about another piece being added if it's Dalvin Cook. I think the Dallas Cowboys could really, really utilize a guy like that and also help their offense along with their quarterback, also those wide receivers and those tight ends. They can really use a phenomenal back like Dalvin Cook on top of when Tony Pollard is fully healthy. Now you can utilize both of these guys. You can have a, you can have a case where you go 30 personnel. Right When you go three running backs and two wide receivers and have Deuce Vaughn, Dalvin Cook, and Tony Pollard in the game, and you know most defenses are going to put some big people on the field because you got three running backs in the game. Now you got to pick your poison. You can just pick your poison if you're, if, if you're the offense and if you're Mike McCarthy. Oh, where's the mismatch at? That hit the guy who has the mismatch. I, part of this comes back also through the, the, the NFC is so wide open. Right. The difference between the AFC and the NFC is right now in the AFC, it feels like you're hitting your head against a wall no matter what you do. So any player acquisition is going to be for a very good team to try and become an incredible team. Right. In the NFC, it's it's a much more wide open conference to look at. Sure. We think Philadelphia is still going to be very good, but the wild card race doesn't look like it's going to be anything near what the AFC wild card races. So being aggressive in the NFC has a bigger payoff. Like you always say, once you get in the dance, you got a chance. Hell of a lot easier to get in the dance in the NFC than it is in the AFC. So in my mind, in some ways, I think part of the NFC process is looking around saying, hey, 
if it makes us a better capable wild card team, wild card team can make the Super Bowl there. Like it, 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 it's easier in that situation. The other part of the Dalvin Cook convo, I think we need to recalibrate our minds a little bit. When we see somebody hit the free agent market and not sign in 30 seconds, we're used to that being some sort of an indication that the player doesn't have gas oh, left no, in the not tank. At all. Right. Like I, I say this all the time working with you. Like you know this better than anybody. When you played in the league a long time, you take your time right now. You get all the free steak dinners you can. You stay out of the practice rooms as much as you can. You let your body rest. Like I think we have to understand that Dalvin Cook taking his time isn't any indication of a lack of uh, ability from Dalvin Cook. Well, here's the funny part about it, Fitz, because I'm glad you brought that up, right? Even if it's two weeks into training camp, that if you don't wait to sign then, you want to know the only thing I hated about football? Training camp. Mm-hmm. It's the only thing I hated about football. It was brutal. Don't get to stay at home with your family. Got to stay away from your family. You're practicing, you at the facility all day long from about 5 in the morning. You don't get done to about 9 or 10 at nighttime. It was the only thing I hated about football. So these veterans, if they're not signing uh, early in July or in June or the first week and a half of training camp, there's a reason why they're not doing it. Trust me. I mean, we've seen this from Marcus Peters, who took a bunch of visits and then was like, you know what, thank you for the visits. Thank you for the free steak dinners. I'm going to go hang out with my family, and when we get right up to training camp, I'll figure out where I want to sign. Like, more and more, I think we're going to see that from DeAndre Hopkins. Like, you and I both know the Nashville area very well, and I know Titans fans are up in arms. How is he not signed yet with the Titans? What is he doing? What's taking so long? And I'm looking at it saying, well, like, what wouldn't take so long? If you're DeAndre Hopkins, you take all the time in the world right now. Well, you you want to know one of the main reasons why? It's because these players, when they're playing the game and, 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 and they start, they're committed. Right. They're committed to trying to accomplish something they've been trying to accomplish their entire life. So you're not going to have all that free time that you have right now to be able to spend with your daughter or your mom or your family members. So you take advantage of it right now while you have a chance to take advantage of it. This is all part of the process for Dalvin Cook and DeAndre Hopkins, who both are going to pick and choose where they want to go. And it may be at the last second, and it's still going to result in greatness on the field for absolutely both of them. In the meantime, you know this, the NBA draft is tonight, but it's the chaos around the draft that we're following. And we'll give you the very latest on what superstars may or may not be traded tonight. That's next. Fitz and Harry on ESPN Radio and the ESPN app. Fitz and Harry, the podcast. 